the joys of being a youth pastor. Yes. So it's just uh, thank you to everybody that donated. We uh, we are a missions giving church. We're a mission sending church, and um, Speed the Light is one of our organizations. In fact, uh, when I was over in Nepal um, and uh, mostly in Nepal, we rode around the Speed the Light vehicle that was given by youth raising money like this. And I went bouncing around the um, earthquake-ridden roads in Nepal in a Speed the Light vehicle. And I know our missionary there is able to do a lot of things because of that. So we appreciate everybody who is a part of that. Uh, I just got word that, uh, that we have 18 people in our nursery today. So it's, uh, so it's great to have all of our kids here. So uh, I hope we don't hear any nursery sc- workers come screaming out, you know, if that's a bad sign. But uh, what a wonderful thing to have 18 kids in our nursery this morning. So just wanted to make that announcement. That always makes me very excited to have a lot of little guys here. Um, today I want to talk about uh, the danger of human judgment, the danger of human rules. And, you know, there's a lot of rules and regulations everywhere that we have to follow. Some make sense. Some do not. Some are crazier than others. Every time that I do a sermon where... There, it talks about rules and regulations. I always go and I look up, you know, what are some crazy rules and regulations that are out there? And these are actual rules. I try to find them from legit websites. Um, in, in Alabama, it's illegal to drive blindfolded. <laughs> I just assumed that. I, I didn't know that that was a deal. Um, in Arizona, it is illegal for a donkey to sleep in a bathtub. You know, and, and there's a reason for this. And every time there's a reason for it, You see, in the 1920s, a local dam broke, flooding a rancher's home. The rancher's donkey had been accustomed to sleeping in the bathtub, which filled with water and whisked him miles away. After working to rescue the animal, the town passed the law, which is still in place today. I mean, it just makes sense. Why would you, you know, you don't want to have that. In Arkansas, you can't honk your horn near a sandwich shop after 9 (laughs) p.m. Nobody knows why. They looked it up. They said they don't have a reason for this one. I'll, this is one of my favorite. I think of my friend Connie on this one. Uh, in Connecticut, a pickle must be able to bounce to be called a pickle. <laughs> you see, because in the 1800s, a group of men wrongfully sold cucumbers marked as pickles. Oh, that's just dastardly. Um, to, write, to write this wrong, officials declared that a pickle is legitimate only if it bounces. Modern Connecticut state law still holds that a legally labeled pickle must be able to bounce. In Hawaii, it is illegal to place a coin in one's ear. The law was enacted to protect the kingdom of Hawaii coinage when Hawaii officially joined the United States in 1900. Okay, now we're, something's about to happen in Bemidji, so this next law could could come into play. In Maine, it's illegal to park in front of Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know if you saw that, but we're getting a Dunkin' Donuts in Bemidji, so maybe we'll have to have this new rule. You see, because in uh, Maine, people seem to love their Dunkin' Donuts, this law was enacted because the coffee and donut chain is a hot spot, and the parking lot can turn into a mega traffic jam, so they made a rule you can't park right in front of the Dunkin' Donuts. Now, this is after Will just did his amazing uh, you know, thing. He probably wants to maybe have a sleeveless shirt, but if he's in Maryland... Sleeveless, sh- sleeveless shirts are banned in public. <laughs> See, in 1898, this was put out there. Uh, it applies to everyone. The only exception are for vagrants who are allowed to visit the zoo while wearing sleeveless tops 
I don't know why. <laughs> but there's, I mean, I don't know. In New York, slippers are banned after 10 p.m. Uh, rumor has it that slippers are not to be worn after dark. However, no credible source was found for this ban. We say rock those slippers day and night. So in Vermont, okay, this is, a, you know, we're in a now in a different era. But in, in Vermont, it's illegal for a woman to wear fake teeth without her husband's approval. Written permission is mandatory if a woman opts for false teeth. So, just when we think that, hey, there's some crazy rules, and, and when it comes to Christianity, people will come up with crazy rules sometimes, and they'll say, this is what you must do if you want to be a Christian. And those who don't do these things, like how dare those people park in front of a Dunkin' Donuts or wear false teeth or whatever, and they make rules that don't seem to make any sense, or they make rules that made sense for a certain time. I don't think we have a donkey bathtub concept anymore. We just don't have a worry about that. We're not worried about a flood sweeping a donkey away. At one time, that made sense, okay? There's all kinds of rules about horse and buggies and things like that that we just don't need anymore, but people might want to bring them up to say that we are using this. And so what happens in Christianity is what we have is what's called legalism, we have this idea that if we just follow enough rules, we make Jesus happy. And if you don't follow those rules, you make Jesus cry. And even worse, Jesus doesn't even love you at all. And there can be this concept of the rule following becomes whether you are a believer in the body of Christ or whether you are part of Christ rather than your relationship with Jesus Christ, the rule following becomes the key. And it becomes an us versus them. It's th those of us over here who follow this set of rules. We are of Christ. And the worst part is, hey, if you want to have your own set of rules, that's great. But when you start telling other people, unless you follow after these rules, you're not a Christian, you've stepped into a realm that you don't belong. You don't get to do that. You don't get to make up a set of rules and then put them on somebody else. And maybe, again, it's a preference. We can have preferences. But to say to somebody, you can't be a member of the body of Christ or you aren't a member of the body of Christ, especially for new Christians like this. Remember, the Church of Colossians is a very new church. And what happens a lot of times is we look at somebody who's newly saved. And what happens with people that are newly saved, I've heard people give testimonies with four-letter words in them. Okay? Because that's how they talk. And I just sit there and I go, I'm so glad they're in church today. Yeah, we'll work on that other part later, okay? Probably not a good idea to have a four-letter word in your testimony or anything like that. But, you know, to tell them, hey, you can't swear if you're a Christian. You're not a Christian if you swear. You've completely lost it. Now, all of a sudden, the person's like, wait a second, I thought I just got saved and Jesus forgave me, and now I've said a swear word and I've completely lost my salvation. See what we can do? We can get ahead of ourselves and make it so that this is the key to being saved. So this is what Paul is dealing with in Colossians. Chapter 2, verses 16 to 23. It says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are sh a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. 
If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body. They are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. The first thing we need to understand, if we are going to stand up to what is a legalistic concept, we need to understand who we are in Christ. So the first word of this whole passage is vital, where he says, therefore. Paul says, therefore. What you, anytime you see this in the Bible, when you're reading through the Bible, when you see therefore, look to the paragraph before it. Because what he's trying to say is, because of what I just said, this is true. So he says, therefore, stand in who you are in Christ. This is who you are. You see, so in verse 16, he says, therefore, refers back to Paul's teaching. And in verse 10, it says, you have been filled in him. Verse 11 says, you have been brought into covenant with Jesus. And you have been buried and raised with Christ, in verse 12. And you made, made alive in him, in verse 13. Colossians 2.14 says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. When somebody tries to condemn you, say, my sins have been nailed to the cross. Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. So basically, because you're free from slavery to sin and extensions and its consequences and authorities, don't come under that, uh, under that burden any longer. All this points to the idea all of this, when we read this whole passage, you have to understand that my salvation, your salvation, is who you are in Christ, not how somebody decides to put a set of rules on you. Those set of rules do not make you a Christian. There is no set of rules out there that if you check them all off, the Bible talks about all the, the things in the Bible, uh, all the law, all the things that are in the Old Testament. None of those things are bad. First of all, you can't do them all and second of all, even if you could, you would not be a Christian. Because that doesn't make it. It is Christ in you that makes you a Christian. It is what you are in Christ. Now, what you are in Christ changes the way you are and the way you act. So yes, you are supposed to act like you are. That's true, but we kind of put it the other direction. We have somebody get saved and then we expect them right away to start following a bunch of rules instead of realizing that we need more Christ in them so that the, that the morality will come after that. That the things that they need to shed from their life will be brought to them by the Holy Spirit and by good instructional doctrine and not by legalism and telling them, if you do this, you could go to hell any moment. You're hanging by an edge. You've you got no shot. If you look at verse 17, it says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Verse 20, sa 20, verse 20 says, if with Christ you died... Understand, the key to everything is Christ. Not the rules, not the regulations that people try to put upon you, not the self-made, if you do this, then you are a good Christian. You are a good Christian, thus you do good things. That's the key. It always starts with Christ. It always comes back to Him, and don't let the legal people come after you. Now, what's going to happen here is the group that is causing the problems right here are a group of Jewish believers. 
So right now, we don't have a group of Jewish believers that are trying to tell us these things. So we, we have to look at this in a different way. But there are still people that are doing things like this that are trying to say, we need to be careful to watch out for any religion or any religious spirit that judges and disqualifies others. Human rules that decide who is of Christ and who is not. Don't do this or don't do that. You are now a good boy, and those who do not do this are bad, and Jesus doesn't love them. They're based in some, quote, biblical standard of conduct. They'll say, well, do- doesn't say in the Bible this, or doesn't say in the Bible this, or they'll take things out of context and they'll try to make rules. So if we look at Colossians 2.16, It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. What this basically came down to is that they were trying to tell the Gentiles that now that you are saved, you need to go back to the Old Testament where it says you can't eat bacon cheeseburgers. That's the food and drink thing. I'm just saying. (laughs) Sorry. I just need a moment. Uh, Or regard to festivals... In other words, all the, f- the festivals that are out there that you must follow, or any Sabbath day. And he's saying, you have to eat kosher, you have to do this. Therefore, pointing, there, he is saying, don't let mortals and rulers and authorities tell you what you have to do. Don't let them pass judgment. And the passing of judgment here is telling them that they're excluded. You may say it is better not to eat a bacon cheeseburger. You may say it is better to worship on Saturday if you want to do that. You may say you must, that I want to follow Jewish festivals. Those are fine. But to say, unless you do these things, you are not a Christian, don't let anybody do that and don't do that yourself. There are people out there that will say, unless you worship on Saturday, you are not, Jesus does not love you. We're worshiping on Sunday. And it's just like, well, that's just wrong. And they will argue, and they will argue, and they will condemn you. And I would just simply, in Christian love, quote Colossians 2 to them. And I've done this many times. People have tried to get me into this argument. I said, uh, I have this verse in the Bible. I just want to read it to you, and let's just let it sit. Okay? Let no one judge you. Let no one exclude you over this. If that's your choice, that is fine. If you want to worship on Saturday, hey, if you want to worship on Tuesday, it's okay. All right, that's fine. It's all about who you are in Christ. And I think this is an area that we bring up. I also heard a pastor brought up this. Whenever I'm sick and stay at home and I I listen to pastors on TV, I always find the weirdest ideas. Um, But he got up and he was at it. This is a guy who was a doctor. And for some reason, they let him speak at the church. Not that that's a bad thing. But he was giving his medical opinions on things. And he was trying to say they were scriptural. And he got up and he said, now, I'm going to tell you what you're supposed to eat. And he said, Je- we're supposed to do everything that Jesus did, right? And everybody's like, well, yeah, we're all for that. He says, Jesus did not eat anything that wasn't kosher, right? Yeah, Jesus never had bacon or anything. He said, thus, you must not eat any bacon. And I thought to myself, Jesus also never drove a car. <laughs> Jesus wore sandals. I mean, Jesus, I, mean, I don't know, I'm just going down the line thinking, Jesus did a lot of things that we don't necessarily, okay? I'm not, and Jesus, yes, he was a Jewish person, and he followed that, but he, he, 
I don't, and I thought to myself, again, read Scripture. These rules come from people not reading Scripture. Remember the part where Jesus declares these foods to be clean? There's a passage in the Bible where it says that. I'm like, yes, I'll follow Jesus, where he says bacon is good. I'm going to keep coming back to that. Okay, he's going to say it's okay. Now, if you don't want to eat it, and if that's better for you, go for it. But don't tell me that that's what Jesus would want you to do because that is not it because I'll go again, not by a human understanding, but by the Scripture and what the Scripture says where he declares all things clean. Paul is not against moral standards, and, but following the moral standards is not what makes you a Christian. Your connection to Christ is what makes you a Christian. Rules can help us be more secure but less connected to God. There are some people who think now, this is an old line, and I'm going to say it, and it's really corny, okay? Don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls that do. That was an old line that was brought up there, and it was basically, well, we don't drink, and we don't smoke, and we don't do this, thus we're okay. I mean, we're doing everything else wrong. I mean, everything else is a mess in our life, but we don't drink or chew <laughs> or smoke. So it's like, Okay, but we make a set of rules. I heard one pastor put it this way. He says, if you want to look at a church bylaws about the rules, a lot of churches used to lay down, like when I was a kid, the church I grew up in, we couldn't do playing cards or uh, go to movies or go to dances or things like that. And, but a lot of times what they set up is they set up a list of rules that they can follow. And then they don't put the rules in that are hard for them. Okay, so there are certain things that we struggle with more than others. And we say, well, we don't do that. That must be holy. And so we set up these rule sets to try to make that. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with the rule sets. If these things draw you away from God, do not do them. Paul is going to tell you that. Don't do them. But don't think that because you follow a set of rules and you check off the boxes that God instantly loves you. Because God is looking for your heart. He's not looking for you to check off a set of rules. He wants to make you holy inside not a rule follower. Now he gives you the set of rules and he says, now come to me so that I can help you with that. And we, what we do is we're like, we'll just do the rules and we won't come to God. That's not what we're supposed to do. And then we also get very condemning, very prideful, very arrogant. You start to see where that starts to go. And those attitudes are far away from God instead of accepting him. He says, these things are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What he's trying to say is these rules that people are trying to put on you, especially the Jewish people of this time, were a shadow of things to come. Jesus, or God had set up in the Old Testament that Jewish people were not supposed to do certain things so they could be separate from their society. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 10, it says, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The food laws were set aside. You can now wear clothing that has a mix of cotton and polyester. I mean, in the Old Testament, they had a rule like that where you could not mix two kinds of cloth because they said you need to be separate from the people around you. There was a reason for it at that time. And I come back to the donkey in the bathtub. There was a reason for it at that time. But there's no, that's not where we are now because the perfect one has come. Jesus is here. We no longer need that. The separation between the Gentiles and the Jews has been broken down. It goes further, he says in verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. 
Remember, there's a lot of things that people will tell you that is biblical that you must, that they say it's biblical. Or they'll say that it's um, aestheticism or you have to do these certain things. And the aestheticism he's talking about here is probably fasting or even just self-discipline. You know, really working hard and showing how much we love Jesus by how little we love life. Okay? We're Christians. We don't smile. You're having too much fun. Stop. Okay, one of the funniest memories I ever had was uh, a group of pastors and I, we were at a Christian conference. I think I shared this before, but one of them was uh, Jordan and Josh's brother-in-law and sister. Um, We were at this Perkins after an event and we were just having a good old time. And And the waitress walks up to us. She goes, man, you guys must have been out partying and getting drunk tonight if you're having that much fun. And we're like, we're a group of pastors just came from a pastor's conference. (laughs) And we haven't had a drink tonight. But see, there's a perception, right? If you're a Christian, oh no. You go to a pastor's conference, we stare at walls, man. That's all we do. (laughs) We just don't have any fun. But that, that whole system of, and if we do that, it makes us better. There's people who think that, though. We dress a certain way, that makes us more holy. We act a certain way. We put these things aside. We do this, and then we get kind of puffed up, it says right here. Puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. In other words, I'm puffed up by a mind that really doesn't make any sense, but you know what? Look how little I do and how little fun I have. Mm, Jesus loves me more. And then you put that on other people. You disqualify them by saying, you're laughing too much. You're having a good time. You can't be a Christian. You're enjoying life too much. God created life. The word joy, the only true joy that there is in this world comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come in a bottle. It doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from anything else. It only comes from God. The next thing is we need to understand is do not let human rules separate the body of Christ. Here's what happens in, with, when we have human rules. When people start to drop these rules, what we do is we separate. All right, I was in this town and I will not name the denomination, but the town graduated 17 kids. Uh, great. Okay, this is where I did my pastoral internship. There were five churches of the same denomination that had split into five different groups because they couldn't get along. And I don't know if one was the, we sit on the left side of the church people, we wear red, we wear blue. I, who know, I mean, they would come and talk to me. I'd talk to a pastor from this group. They've only got 17 kids a grade in the whole school. So if you took your youth group, you get three. I mean, I'm just saying, it's just not very big. I'm like, why do you have five of these churches here? And I'd ask the pastors, and some of them didn't know. Some of them just said, well, we're better than they are, or they're not this. I thought to myself, that's what the world sees, because when we get so full of this stuff, we're not holding fast to the head, as it says in 19. Because if we're not looking to the head, which is Jesus Christ, we're looking to ourselves, we start to get away from the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. When we start to condemn one another, when we start to point out that those people over there and those people that aren't quite as holy and this and that, we start to lose that connection to the head, which is Jesus, and we also lose all of the way that we can grow as believers. We don't have to agree on everything. You know, I've always told people, once we get to heaven, we'll find out all of us are off in a little bit. 
I mean, God's going to go, okay, John, here's where you were off on every sermon. Oh, no, 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 let's not do that. <laughs> okay, but I mean, I, I just think to myself, it, it's true. But what do we do? We get puffed up, and we start to think we're the only way, and we start to put other people down. But when we lose that, we lose the fact that we are together. And, and when you start to have these legalisms that rise up, when you have the, the church where women can wear pants and the church where women can only wear dresses, and you look at the women that wear pants as just worldly, and the women who wear dresses as too uptight, and then we don't get along, and the world sees us, well, first of all, those two ladies could be really good friends. And they should be praying for one another. And they should be helping one another instead of arguing over who's got it right. Because it's not that big a deal. It's a piece of clothing. Right? But we make these bigger than they are. I mean, I, I, I talked to one of my professors. I'm going to give him credit for this. He said he's got more doctrinal proof to start the spit-in-the-eye church than he does for most, a lot of denominations have started. In other words, Jesus, when he healed the man, he spit in the ground, made mud, threw it in his eyes. We should start a whole denomination based on that and say everybody who does not spit into people's eyes are not of Jesus because we're more Christ-like because we spit. You do not spit. Thus, we are holy. And we all laughed, and he says, you laugh, but now go back and look at denominational things and then you'll laugh too or when i was in college i remember that we were allowed and i, I have shared this sometimes i could just i share all these but they make me still laugh is we were allowed to wear black jeans but no blue jeans because blue jeans were of the devil <laughs> don't understand why to this day nobody's explained it to me but you know we have these things and there's nothing wrong with having standards again but when we look at ourselves and we say, because we do this, we are holier than that person, it becomes a puffing up and an arrogance. It's not that the rules, hey, if in your mind, blue jeans make you farther from God, and for some people it may be that way. I know people that have come from a lifestyle and a blue jean will identify with that lifestyle and they say, I don't want anything to do with it, then don't wear blue jeans. And I'm 100% serious about that. But don't condemn another person who does. Don't say, and unless it's strictly, you know, the biblical thing, don't start condemning people over rules. We need to grow together. We need to grow closer to the head, and it says that God will give us the growth as we stop separating and find ways to become more like each other and find ways to be intertwined, nourished, and knit together through its joints and ligaments. And we can't do this when we're condemning one another over little things that are legalistic, that aren't even biblical, okay? The last thing that's important to understand, I think this may be the, one of the, the second most important thing than the part, part about starting with who we are in Christ. Rule-based faith will not work. It will not work. He says in verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why is if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? So here he's again coming back to Christ. He says, if you've died to everything of this world, why are you coming back to the things of this world? If you were, don't submit to the regulations that are worldly based, only go with what is godly based. Why act as if you are still under the control of this world when you should be looking at what God wants to do? Our 
I heard one author put it this way, our moral needs are too grave to be satisfied by any system of rules which endeavors merely to regulate the old life and control its unruly impulses. In other words, there is sin in every single one of us. The old life wants to crawl back in. Okay? There is not one person here who is not tempted in some way. Everybody. It says Jesus was tempted in all ways. So Jesus understands this, but a set of rules is not going to be what it takes. We can't just say our moral needs can be taken care of if we just create enough rules and regulations and all of this. And then he goes on in verse 21, he says, rules like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. In other words, just don't do anything. Just, I remember when, when I was, used to play basketball at North Central, we used to go visit these schools. And there was a, one school that finally shut down. It was basically a, a commune out in the middle of northern Wisconsin with its own water tower and everything. And basically their idea was, and I have some friends here that live in Bemidji that, that went to that school, the, and their whole idea was if we just keep all the students away from anything in this world, they'll be fine. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. Because it was all a rule-based thing. It was all so rule-based. And it was all so built on that. There was a, and Paul is kind of saying, giving a kind of a heavy ironic tone, he's saying, you know what, this isn't going to work. In verse 22 he says, all these rules refer to things that will perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. He says, so, what you're trying to say is that we're going to argue about food. Now, I, he, they're going to refer back to Jesus. This is Jesus saying this. One of my favorite Jesus quotes. What happens to food? Where does it end up eventually? Yeah, think about it through for our biology people. He says it ends up as waste coming out the other side. So he says, you're arguing over poop, all right? You're arguing over human waste. You're arguing over this. He says, these are things that you shouldn't be doing this. And he's saying that you're doing this according to human precepts and teachings. You see, there were actual rules in the Bible that they were supposed to follow. But then there were the added rules that, Christ, that Jewish people at this time and some Christians have added on. They add on, they say, well, we are not supposed to do this. So we'll add it and make it even harder. And Jesus came after them. He says, you know what? Um, in, in Matthew 59, says, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. He says, basically, all of your additional commandments that you put on top of the Bible and you put on top of people, just leave it at the Bible. Leave it at what the Bible says and stop adding to it. The book is finished the way it is. Stop adding rules and regulations on top of it. They're not, they're, say only with what is godly. And he says in verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. In other words, and we have proved this in our country. I, 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 I mean, we have rules right now, right? There are rules. You must drive 55 on the road, which means every single person drives 55. 
correct? I mean, everybody in this room, but I mean, <laughs> other people even drive that, right? We have rules that fireworks are illegal. Have you ever heard a firework shot off in Minnesota? No, no, never have, because they're illegal. There's a rule. We just made a rule, and because we made a rule, and because we made this rule so nobody will blow their hand off, because that's the, what we're told, no one will ever do it, right? Does it stop people from doing it? No. Until they believe, until they have a transformation of the heart, until they believe that this is a real rule that is going to be something that is beneficial and is something that is of God, nobody's going to change. You can't come up to a, a newly minted Christian, a newly Christian, and just give them a set of regulations and rules. You have to say their heart needs to be transformed. We need to pray for a transformation that leads to a change because we all have moral indulgences of the flesh and a set of rules isn't going to stop them from pulling forward. We think they are. And he says, how about these rules? He says, these indeed have the appearance of wisdom. You know, don't, don't worry about these things. Just listen to what I tell you to do. No, listen to what God tells you to do. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Draw closer to Him. As you draw closer to God, as we help somebody get involved in the Scripture, as we help somebody enhance their prayer life, as we help somebody be around more Christian witnesses, as we help them and love them and care for them, the moral indulgences of their life will start to come off. Why? Because the Holy Spirit in His sanctifying work will start to work on them and convict them of those things. We think it's our job to bring judgment down on people. Our job is to tell them the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do that work. Okay? We're supposed to say what is right or wrong. I'm not trying to say that. But it's not, not our job to say who's in and who's out. People have asked me this before. Well, who, can you tell me exactly, did this person go to heaven or this person go to, go to hell? Like, it's not my job to decide. It's my job to preach what the Bible says and let God decide who does that. So, he is saying, why is it wrong? Because they, they did not accomplish what they say they will, the exact opposite. It's, in fact, what happens in these people is they get puffed up in their mind. They start to be arrogant. They start to tell everybody how wonderful they are. And last time I checked, that was pride. And if you have pride, you're away from God. So by doing this, you're pulling away. So it's important for us to understand today that God is not a God that says just do whatever you want. Okay, I just want to state that again. God is not a God who just says, you got saved now, check in with me right before you die. All right, that's all there is to it. There's nothing to it. God does have a set of standards for us. Okay, God does want us to live a certain way. But the way that we do that is by getting closer to the head, getting closer to the body, and not separating and breaking down every little rule and making all kinds of uh, little legalisms to put, our, put other people down and to puff ourselves up. We need to understand who we are in Christ, that we have been set free from this world, thus our, and our only hope is not in a set of rules, but in a God that loves us, a God that dwells in us, and a God that can transform our lives. When we struggle with moral problems in this world, everybody here is struggling with sin. Everybody here says, I wish I didn't have this temptation. I wish I didn't have that. You know what? God is saying, come to me. Come to one another. We should be working together and saying, let's help one another. And he will help you with that sin. It's not by adding more rules and regulations. It's by more, adding more God in our lives that will overcome these things. Why don't you stand with me right now?
I just want to let you know, if you're here today, and you've never made Jesus the master of your life, you've never made the commitment to Jesus Christ, you've never said, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Everything that I talked about earlier is who we are in Christ and what hope we have for any morality in our life. The hope that we have to overcome sin in our life. The hope that we have to be more like Christ. Because that is the goal. Is because of who we are in Christ. And first of all, we must be forgiven of our sins. We must make God the master of our lives. And we must do this by accepting his free gift of the cross and dying for us. And when we do that, we are set free from the powers of sin. Does that mean sin doesn't keep popping itself up? No, it keeps popping itself up. But God is there to help us push it back down. God is there to, to restore us and make us new. And if you want to make that commitment today, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers today. Otherwise, I just want to challenge everybody here today. You know, it's one of the things that we have done as churches is we're good at making people feel guilty. We're good at it. And I'm just saying, I mean, I grew up feeling guilty. And I've talked to a lot of different people. They say we feel guilty. And you know what? We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one that should convict us of our sins. And when somebody comes up to you and they want to discuss things, make sure that we're looking at the Scriptures. Make sure it's not just some man-made regulation or some human-made one. That people aren't just throwing something on top and saying, you know what? You can't do this or you can't do this. Say, let's talk about it from the Bible. Like I do when somebody brings up the Sabbath thing with me. Let's talk about it from the Bible. And let's not separate one another. If somebody wants to worship on Saturday or wants to worship on Sunday, we can still love each other. If somebody says, I, I want to have long hair and you want to have short hair, I want to wear pants, you want to wear dresses, and things like, oh, men not wearing dresses is probably not a good idea. But the, the women wearing dresses, we can say these things. We can have... There are certain standards that, yes, the Bible does is clear about, but then again, that's the Bible, not our standard. It's the Bible that we must need to follow, follow and not every human man-made rule. And when we do this, we can grow together as a body. We can grow together, and you know what's going to happen? The sin in our life is going to start to come off as we grow together and grow in Christ. The closer we get to the head, this verse says, the closer we get to Christ, the less sin is in our life. And that was the goal of everybody here. They all wanted to have less sin in their life. And they thought they could just do it through rules. We can do it through growing closer to Christ. Jesus, we just thank you today. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the fact, God, that you have a better way than our way. God, convict us of our sin today if we have been judgmental, God, because of our preferences or because of our human-made arguments, God. Lord, help us to love one another because there is not one person, God, that is without sin. There is not one person that does not have faults, God. There is not one person that is not struggling or tempted by a certain area in their life. But God, let us build one another up. Let us bind together and grow closer to the head. Let us not bring judgment but hope to those around us, God. Let us let you be the righteous judges and us be the, the bringers of grace to those who need it, God. And God, we pray that, Lord, just like the people of, that were trying this method in Colossians, God, we want the same thing, which is to have more of you and less of the world. But we know the only way that's going to happen is through a transformation by your Spirit in our lives. Let us draw more godly, become more Christ-like, 
and more like you every day, God, as we grow closer to you and into each other, God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now go and connect to one another.